All right, let's do the thing. Let's start the show. Welcome to the Happy and Holy Podcast with your hosts, Wenny and Jamie. Mm -hmm. Hello. She's here, y'all. And um, we're back for another episode and a good time. Thank you all for checking us out. As always, we are listed. We are broadcasted. We are posted on Apple Music, nope, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok. Listen, we're taking over. And for the love of God, please go to happyandholyco.com. I tried so hard to get that site to direct (laughs) to the right location. And I really would love if people would just visit it, if only to see that the link works. Dude, come on. I worked hard on that. And I'm I'm really, yeah, I'm really, I'm really pleased. See, now I just happened to silence my phone and my sister's calling me. That is what you call discernment and a word of knowledge. Because now my phone was silenced. Um, go to the website, guys, happyandholyco.com. The fact that we own happyandholyco.com is like, ah. <laughs> I mean, when you get a, get a site, that's the, the seed of a dream. Sometimes, and I'm sure so many people have experienced this, where you're like, I'm going to do the thing. You buy the site, and then it, it stays there. We didn't do that. It starts that's with a website. Site. We made it happen, and then I troubleshot so that the site actually gets to the right location. So visit it. So visit it. Please, yeah. And on the website, it will take you to our podcasts that are listed on <laughs> Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, Google, and everywhere podcasts are. There we will be. And so as always, happy and holy is a term. It is a phrase that was coined by um, the Bulgarian gem. I like that one. The Bulgarian gem, Georgian. Ah! The Bulgarian gem, Georgian Banoff, one half of the Joy Apostles, Georgian and Winnie Coco Banoff, who... Just happened to celebrate an anniversary this past weekend. So cheers to them. Cheers to them. We say congratulations to your 45th anniversary. We are not here as representatives of the ministry. We are just lovers of the gospel and of them. We are, um, I don't want to say we're fans, but we are admirers and honorees of the joy apostles who wouldn't want to be around joy apostles honestly fan yeah probably (laughs) obsessed possibly a little bit trying to absorb them into my personality 
Totally. Do it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I just wanted to put that clear, you know, um, that clear distinction that we're not paid representatives. This is not a sponsored ad, um, although sponsorship is coming soon. Not from them, but from other people, because in Jesus' name. Um, but yeah, we're just here because we love the message. Um, we love the gospel, uh, particularly the way they present the gospel. And so please check out Georgian um, and Winnie Coco Banoff. Georgian Banoff, Winnie Banoff, they have Facebook, they have YouTube, they have Instagram. Um, they are amazing people. Mm-hmm. However, we didn't get to the to the tagline. I was waiting for it. And the tagline, <laughs> I digress a lot. The tagline goes as so. <laughs> the world wants you happy, but not holy. Boo. Religion wants you holy, but not happy. Boo. But Jesus came to make you both. Jesus came. Jesus came. Mm-hmm. That's good news, y'all. Jesus came to make you both. So, um, of course, this tagline has been our launching pad, and we're so grateful. And we are here, the Happy and Holy Podcast on YouTube and Rumble. We are the Happy and Holy TV um, on Facebook, Happy and Holy Media, because we're taking over. So go hit us up on all the things. Leave a comment, like, share, subscribe, all the things. We're grateful. We've been seeing the engagement from the content, and we're just, we're excited. We're grateful. And this is just the beginning. You've seen nothing yet. So here we are. Um, in light of talking about Georgian and Winnie Banoff, I feel like we should um, do some other recommendations, some other shout outs to some great ministries to um, to follow. You know, just because we don't want to be these ladies where all you ever hear us doing is bashing other ministries, to which that's not who we are. That's not what we do. Mm-mm. You know, if you were eating like a bad version of pizza, us being us both being New Yorkers, if there was a better pizza place that we can offer you, we would tell you like, hey, Johnny's Pizza is OK. But have you gotten pizza off a of 33rd? Because that pizza is bomb. And so I like we're not here to lord over your faith. We're not here to have dominion over your faith. Mm-hmm. We're just helpers of your joy. 2 Corinthians 1, 24, just helpers of your joy. Of course, KJV, Jubilee. Um, Just here to be helpers of your joy. So we would give recommendations, not because we're trying to tell you what to do. We're not trying to tell you what to think. We're just leading you to how to drink. Whoa. That was really good. Drink any day. Um, Thank you, Lord. See, Lord, just take over. Um. So we just want to give you better options. One of the reasons why we started this podcast was because we just wanted to be a better option. It's easier to just complain than to do something. And so we launched the podcast to be like, hey, here's a better option. There's some better theology that's out there. Not because we are superstars. Uh, we're not theologians. 
I don't even have a degree in this. Okay. I don't even have a degree, Um, (laughs) but we (laughs) love, we love the gospel and we know truth. And Mm -hmm. most importantly, that person who is truth, Jesus, we kind of know a guy, we have a guy. I need to say it again. I've said it before on an episode, but I'm going to remind everybody that there is a man at a small Baptist church in Massachusetts in an undefined location who has graduated from Princeton Seminary from Princeton Seminary and from Harvard Divinity School who has said from the pulpit that everybody gets into heaven. Buddhists get into heaven. Like everybody gets in. It doesn't matter. So I think we can all, like if you're a Christian and you just have your basic theology down, I think we can all agree that that is not the truth because scripture states that Jesus is the only way to the Father. And so if people are coming out of seminary not even knowing the basics, Mm. I think we need to realize that maybe degrees don't mean as much as we thought they did, number one. And number two, we're all going to have to grow some discernment. We can't just trust people because they have degrees. We actually have to talk to the Holy Spirit, be led by the Holy Spirit, and be led by truth, which is the word of God, when we are looking for who to listen to. And I know for me, Wendy is someone who, if she recommends someone to me, I'm like, oh, I trust you because I know that you believe truth and the spirit of the Lord has led me to you as a safe friend and also as a a person who is safe to listen to and pour into my life. So when she gives a recommendation, I immediately take it down. I buy it. Like, I mean, my book, my my desk is stacked with books from a recent christianbook.com purchase that was fueled by Wendy's recommendations. So when she recommends something, take note. The book haul. That must have been a fun haul. Oh, you know it was. I sent you the pictures afterwards. Mm. Delicious. Yeah, we're not here with any credentials. Our only credential is the cross. The cross but at least the cross, we didn't go to Harvard Divinity School. So that's or in the, our favor. Or the cemetery. Seminary. Seminary. That's right. Whoop! Seminary. That is a cemetery because people there die, and they and they they don't connect. They don't connect with the resurrection power. And I think they they they're still waiting for the resurrection to happen. So they go there, and their faith dies. No one calls them out of the out of the tomb, and then they're walking dead. Mm-hmm. They're walking dead. They're not alive with God in Christ Jesus. There's a lot of pastors who are behind the pulpit who are walking dead, dead in their trespasses. Oof. Okay. Shaka. Okay. So, um, with recommendations in mind, <laughs> we were here to go on a tangent about who we are and who we are not. But with recommendation recommendations being said, of course, top of my list is Georgian and Winnie Coco Banoff, of which I have some of her material. I was just reading some of her stuff before the before our session today. And I'm, oh! Are you? Uh, see, for those who are not checking us out on YouTube, you're not seeing the magic that just happened where we just we just both picked up love notes. We we just did that. Did that just happen? Yeah, 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 we did. Yeah, we did. See, I was going to show love notes and the proposal. I was just diving deep because we have a really juicy 
good theology, bad theology um, session coming up. And I needed to cocoa dose. I needed to dose on a cocoa. I love that you're using my term. Oh, I needed the dose. Yeah, I needed I needed an injection. Mm -hmm. Can I just read the front of the proposal? Do it. Is his love for you too good to be true? A fairy tale someone just made up? Will there ever be a happily ever after? A thousand and one ideas have been suggested. May I propose another? Oof. I'm going to put that down there. <sighs> Banoff, B-A-N-O-V, for those people who are Googling them right now. <laughs> Banoff. Also on my list, now this is like a list that I have quickly assimilated. This is not limited to, okay? I'm sure I have more, but off the top of my mind. I will shout out a Mr. Peter K. Lewis. I don't know what K stands for, but I think that's how his name is listed. But Mr. Peter Lewis, um, who's based in Dallas, has a ministry called Braveheart. And I love him because he's gospel focused. And I've heard him a couple times and he's preaching truth. He preaches the gospel. No striving in Christ Jesus for those who love him. Therefore, there is no striving. Anyway, so Peter Lewis of Braveheart Ministries. Lewis is L-O-U-I-S, not the L-E-W-I-S. Lewis, Peter K. Lewis. Braveheart Ministries has an amazing book that I read um, called Back to the Garden. An amazing, like, foundational, like, I just came to Christ and what do I do next? That book is so good for that. Um. We love Peter. Also, may I suggest a Mr. A Sir? I wonder, he should be knighted. I don't think he cares to be knighted, but I feel like he should be knighted. But a, a Mr., I'm going to call him Sir, Sir Andrew Womack. Oof. Listen, I only got on the Mac, like, I want to say, like, two years ago, two, three years ago. But the amount of content I have consumed from this man... Um. Based in Colorado, oh, The Believer's Authority. That's such a good book. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm telling you. Yeah. I have something of his somewhere. I do have his sticker that, like, Don't Limit God. Don't Limit God. I have that here. Um, there's a book about not limiting God. Listen, you can hit up his, like, his website, his church, not his church, his website, his ministry's website. And I'm telling you, he's one of the most generous people on the planet. Like, um... There's always free content. I mean, they give books upon books um, because he has a really fruitful ministry. And I'm pretty sure that it's that fruitful because he's so generous because the Lord loves a cheerful giver. Mm -hmm. Okay. So Andrew Womack is brilliant. He tells it like it is gospel. He even has a channel called gospel truths. Okay. He's not going to call a channel gospel truth. If he wasn't preaching the gospel, we love him. And yeah, he's very tell like it is. He ministers all over the world. I think um, he was just talking about the other day how he, um, his ministry has reached 5 billion homes. Been on the television, on the computer screen of 5 billion people. That's incredible. All because he had a dream and he went after it and he didn't limit God. 
he he partnered with the Lord and his imagination. And listen, Andrew Womack is really good for basic foundational faith, but he's also incredible for that complex, like, oh, oh, I think I do. He's both over here. He's like both shallow and deep. Like you can go in the shallows with him and in the deep. Um, It almost kind of reminds me of like, say like the book of John, like you can read the book of John and get something out of it in the shallows, or you can go deep in it. It's like you, you can go both ways. Yeah, for sure. I have his commentary on Romans. Oh, that one has been in my wish list because of you for a very long time. Yeah, I don't um, see it. It's pro- oh, I think it's. A, I have a bookshelf, guys. I, my goal, okay. My goal is like for my backdrop to be my library, or maybe like this wall to be my library, eventually, but not right now. But it's. I have in the living room. I have a whole bookcase full of other books, and I think my Romans commentary is over there. Um, I love Andrew Womack. Andrew Womack. Incredible. My last recommendation, and then I'll pass it over to Jamie, is another Mac who's an actual Mac. Okay. Her name is Audrey Mac. All right. Shout out to the ladies who love the gospel. We already talked about Winnie, Winnie Coco Banoff. Okay. When we talked uh, episode three about the weepy, the weepy wailing woman. Okay. We weren't talking about Coco and Audrey. We were not talking about these ladies. Um, because let me tell you, they will Smith Wigglesworth punch you in the gut with the truth. And we love them and they're incredible. Audrey Mack is a gorgeous French woman who um, she has the, the cutest accent, but she's like, she's so like petite and like cute and like she looks delicate until she opens her mouth and goes in about the gospel. And I've seen videos of this woman standing on pulpits. She's wild. And um, I really love her. Audrey Mack. Her last name is straight up Mack. M-A-C-K. Although I call Andrew Womack the Mack because he's the Mack of all Macs. I love that so much. The Mack of all Macs. The Mack of all Macs. Incredible. All right, Jamie, I turn it over to you. Thanks, babe. All right. So it would not be me if I were not to bring up the queen herself, the person who warmed my heart to the French, Madame Jean Guyon. Ba-bam. Ba-bam. All right. Oh, the trifecta. See, Go get on, on YouTube. Get on YouTube because you can see the visuals. Yeah. So if you don't know who Madame Jean Guyon is, she was a nun in like 1700s France. And she um, was really tight with Count Zizendorf, who very much inspired the Moravians. And she has a method of prayer, which is basically, it's just talking to Holy Spirit. But it was very controversial at the time because people don't really understand that Holy Spirit was indwelling. And she was like, search for God within. And they were like, you're a heretic. And this is like basic foundational Christianity today. Like the Holy Spirit is in you. And um, there's many scriptures that discuss this, but it was very controversial at the time. And she was imprisoned in the Bastille in Paris, France for these writings, um, for the method of prayer and for her commentary on Song of Songs, which she gave to to some guy who was kind of investigating her. And she gave it probably being like, oh, you're going to love this. And uh, he was like, this is far too sexy. 
Have you read Song of Songs? First of all. Um, but Song of her commentary on, of song on, on Song of Songs is using Song of Songs as a um, description of our relationship with Christ and like the kind of push and pull between the moments where Christ seeks you and then like hides kind of withholds the feeling of his presence and you seek him. And it is a beautiful, beautiful love story. Um, I wouldn't start with that. I also have her letters. I wouldn't start with that either. But once you get on Guyon, you kind of just gorge on Guyon. This is where you need to begin experiencing the depths of Jesus Christ. This is a practical guide to hearing the Holy Spirit and to like walking with him, living your life with him. Um, I'm not going to go into too much detail, but I will say the one thing I would say, look out for while you're reading this book. Um, there is some, maybe um, either a dated theology about suf what suffering with Christ looks like, or perhaps it's maybe the way I'm taking it or the way that people will take it now, because to talk about um, suffering with Christ nowadays looks very different than talking about it while you're imprisoned in the Bastille. So um, what I would say is if you find yourself feeling guilt or condemnation while you are just reading her talk, reading her discussing suffering, please know that that is not of the Lord because there is therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So just be aware of that. But it is by far the best practical guide I've ever found to intimacy with Christ. So definitely recommend this. This is maybe my top favorite book. Can, can we coin uh, the phrase gorge on Guyon? Gorge on Guyon. <laughs> I know. Did you realize you said that? <laughs> I did. I did, but I think I didn't realize in the moment what what it was coming out of my mouth. Um, I'm going to limit it to three because I think we're probably going to do this series again. And you did three, so I'm going to do two more. Oh yeah, go for it, please. Um, okay, so on the like kind of practical note, like I was saying, um, if you're an intellectual type and you're having difficulty understanding your identity in Christ and how you are no longer a sinner, but you are a saint. You're having difficulty understanding how can we be dead to sin. But boom, this book, Jesus and the Undoing of Adam by C. Baxter Kruger. It's a little bit difficult to find. You can find it on christianbook.com. Um, look at this. It's such a tiny read, but it's dense. And I mean, you can see how much I have notated this. This is a practical guide. What does it look like when you are dead to sin and theologically, what does that look like? So I find this is really great for people who like, just can't get that get uh, like dead to sin message. Cause they're intellectualizing it too much. Um, this explains very theologically what is happening with that. Um, and I'm going to leave that there. We can maybe dive into that title again, Jesus and the undoing of Adam by C Baxter Kruger. This is, like I, I I would say like this is tied for my top two books. Um, the only reason I'm gonna put Guyon first is because this is something that I use like every single time I need help with my devotional time. Like I use it, I refer I reference it so much. But this book is absolutely life changing, and they're very very different. It's apples and oranges here. This is for your your heart and your spirit, and this is for your your mind and your spirit. So. Understanding God emotionally, understanding God intellectually, and then bringing that to the spirit. Both of these end in the spirit, which is so great. 
Um, there's honestly companion books in a way, even though no one's ever really um, paired them the way I have. Um, okay, lastly, this is just a physical representation of what I'm about to recommend to you, but this is, for those of you who are not watching, this is a book by Joshua Mills called Seven Divine Mysteries. Um, I'm only holding this up as a visual reference because, well, the Lord told me to buy this book, but I haven't had time to get into it yet. But I'm re I'm going to recommend his ministry because um, every book I've ever read of his ends up like in my top 10. Um, Moving in Glory Realms is probably one of the greatest books I've ever read uh, as well. And um, that's uh, not on my person right now. So you just have to, to trust me on that one. But I would also say the greatest... Uh, gift that Joshua has given us is his albums, his albums, either, uh, musically, um, or the decrees. So if you are in a situation where you're like, wow, this atmosphere is really trash. Um, Joshua has an album for you. If you need to war, he has a warfare decrees album. If you are feeling sick, he has an album of healing decrees. If you are having trouble hearing and feeling God. He has an album for that um, called Opening Your Portals. Um, also his book, Power Portals. So, so good. Um, also, if you are like, I don't know, a little bit reticent with some of the verbiage uh, that Joshua uses, uh, I think Joshua is like a fourth or seventh generation Pentecostal. <laughs> So some people will look at his titles and be like, power portals? What is this? Is this a little bit suspicious? No, it's not. Um, get some discernment because you're wrong if you're thinking that. But <laughs> just trust me, uh, or you don't have to trust me. Just look into it and <laughs> go in with an open heart. His music, his decrees repeatedly fill the atmosphere with glory, uh, fight off demonic atmospheres, Heal me when I'm sick. Not, well, Jesus. Well, Jesus uses it. To, don't don't hear what I'm not saying. Yes, his ministry allows the Holy Spirit to move powerfully, and does so with more efficacy than the majority of ministries that I have experienced. So, yeah, check him out if you don't know him. But if you're watching this, you probably do. So. We, we love Jay Millie. I heard him in Houston recently, and I can confirm, yes, he is a generation upon generation pastor. Um, he said something really funny when I was uh, when I was in Houston. Uh, so, you know how Paul says, <laughs> Paul's like, I speak in tongues more than all of you. Paul, you know, the most humblest man. <laughs> He's like, I speak in tongues more than all of you. Joshua was like, I actually am able to say that because he has millions upon millions of streams. And so he's like, even as I'm speaking here to you guys, he's like my YouTube videos of me speaking in tongues is playing. So I literally speak in tongues more than all of you. Cause he's like, I'm speaking in tongues right now, but on YouTube. That's it iconic. It That's so iconic. Yeah. The Mills is great. I do love him. Oh, I will say I have been in a couple trances. Um, because of Joshua Mills, I um, I'm a really good, like I'm a functional drunk when it comes to the Lord. Like it comes to the Spirit. I drink well, and um, I can hold I can hold my manifestations well. 
there are moments where I go beyond my ability to restrain myself. And so, um, listen, when you're in the river, it just happens. Um, charismania is real. Let me tell you, charismatics see the craziest thing happen in their meetings because they have the faith to believe it to happen and so people like to shame charismatics because they're like oh they're the ones who are always on the floor and they're laughing and but like they get up from their encounter healed they get up from their encounter with breakthrough they get up from their encounter having seen some things and um you can't knock it till you try it i know that i had Grown up in an environment, growing up Assemblies of God, I grew up in an environment where that was not okay to me because it, it was new to me. And just because it's new to you, just because you've never experienced it, doesn't make it wrong. And so um, I, I say all that to say about my trance. And of course, when we're talking about drinking, we're talking about of the spirit. The fact that I have to like decipher that, decode that is crazy to me. But um. Some of my deepest trances have been listening to Mills's like healing streams or the ones about the atmosphere. It's like oh. prayer. I see the it's blue. I could see it. Yeah, I, I know what you're talking about. There's like a, a number of like heavenly atmosphere type of uh, I think that's what it's called tracks on YouTube. Um, but I definitely also recommend there's so much on uh, Apple Music and Spotify. That yeah. When you listen album by album, you get all together. Yeah. I've just had a taste of it, okay? Because I've done YouTube and there were some nights like, I'm usually, my immune system's really well and I'm, I'm usually a healthy person. But when I do have those moments, I've put on Joshua Mills and gotten into the deepest trances, had the craziest dreams come out completely well and... It's what Christ is doing to me, through me, in the spirit, uh, making me whole, healing me because he paid for it in his wounds. Mm -hmm. And um, I'm coming out of bed, like feeling like a new person. But um, I am thankful for Joshua Mills being somebody who um, prepares the way for us to do that. And I mean, sometimes I'm telling you, I'm somebody who's like a big like, I love background music that I just we'll talk about that later, but I'm like a big person who likes to have multi things happening. I can function in that. If it's quiet, I'm like, this is weird. I'm uncomfortable, but I can't have Joshua on a lot because I get lost. I get tossed in the sauce. And all, all I know is like, I don't even know where I'm at. Next thing I know I'm levitating and I'm like, okay, I need to get back to work. So Joshua's amazing. Um, so those are really solid. <laughs> See Baxter. I, I have to if I can thrift that book. Oof, girl, you better get that book. And we need to discuss it on this podcast. Yeah, we need to discuss Immediately. it. Immediately. I do want to read a Zindendorf quote because he is I, I love him a lot. Um yeah, he's like a granddaddy. Zindendorf is so solid and yes, he's, he's attached to, he's acquainted, acquainted with the Moravians, but this man, I mean, this man, he has been a gen, a gem amongst the ages, um, a national treasure, if you will. Uh, I love the way he talks. 
I love the revelations that he's had. We get so wowed by the people that like we are, we love now presently in this age, but the way this man was talking, no wonder the nuns were levitating because this guy is wild. Okay. Here's a quote from Zindendorf. Our method of proclaiming salvation is this to point out every heart, the loving lamb who died for us. And although he was the son of God offered himself for our sins by the preaching of his blood and of his love unto death, even death on the cross, never ever in discourse or an argument to digress even for a quarter of an hour from the loving lamb to name no virtue except in him and from him and on his account to preach no commandment except faith in him, no other justification, but that he atoned for us, no other sanctification, but the privilege to sin no more and no other happiness, but to be near him, to think of him and to do his pleasure, no other self-denial, but to be deprived of him and his blessing and no other calamity, but to displease him, no other life, but him. Oh my God, I'm getting toasted. <laughs> That's so good. <laughs> Which, speaking of being toasted, the first time I read Experiencing the Depths of Jesus Christ, I did not know I should not read this in public. Ooh. At the time, I read it at work because my client was late and I got drunk. <laughs> got drunk in the spirit reading it i had to stop myself i was like whew yeah i forgot maybe it was a song i think i was listening to a song or something on a bus uh, when i was in israel i was listening to a song on the bus and i was like i need to turn this off okay <laughs> it was like i need to, i can't i can't do this right now <sighs> that'll get you that'll get you sanctification wow. We're going to need to start a Zinzendorf book club. Honestly, what? Who was this man? Are are we sure he wasn't Enoch? He probably was. He probably was. We're going to look into it and find out that they never found out his date of death. (laughs) All right. Let's uh, transition to another segment. We're going to keep the digi hairs a little short today, but um, we have some, uh, we didn't get to talk about the Met Gala the other night. We need to discuss this immediately. The Met Gala. First Monday in May. What others like to call the fashion industry's biggest event, I like to call the collection of demons. And... um. So they usually take off whatever fleshly costume that they have and they show up in their full-on demonic manifestation. And that's what they call the Met Gala. I can't believe that when I was in the industry, I was upset that I never got hired for someone prepping for the Met Gala. 
And now yeah. I am. I'm so I saw a video of somebody who was like, I'm 25 and this is my second Met Gala. How though? What did Makeup you do? artist. What did you do? No. 25 and it's your second. What did you do? I know God protected me from that one. <laughs> <laughs> what did you do? What did you do? <laughs> what did you do? So, um, <laughs> I know. Right. So, um, the Met Gala is so strange to me. It's so, um, yeah, I just don't understand it. They claim that, like, their goal is to raise money. And they buy, I have no idea. They buy (laughs) seats probably for their, I'm going to keep it PG. Because I don't know whose children, whose children listen to this. But probably for their gatherings, I'll say the word gatherings, where they do the most, the most unholy things. The elites need to be funded somehow. So they have the Met Gala. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, there's just. This where it's where the filter comes off. It's where the mask comes off. And so let's start with the worst of the worst. Oh, God. That was allegedly Dior. That was not Dior. No, it said that that was Lil Nas and Dior. And I'm like, where? There are no clothes. (laughs) Where? (laughs) Let's paint. Was Lil Nas and Dior. And it pisses me off that some makeup artist went body painting and then like Dior gets the credit. Right. Dior doesn't make body paint. Maybe it's the boots. Just the boots and maybe, maybe the mask. Maybe. Um, Probably. I low-key feel like they're literally making fun of him. They're like, I have a great idea for you. This is going to slay. And then he's like, okay. And everybody's like, oh, my God, you look amazing. And then behind the scenes, everybody's like, oh, my God, can you believe we managed to convince him to go to the Met Gala naked? Yeah, I, sometimes I feel like he doesn't mind. He's, he's got a little a little Kim K inspiration, you know, where Kim K is like, how can I legally wear the least amount of clothing? I could see that. Um, little Nas, apparently, like a couple years ago when he came out with the Satan shoes, um, his whole reason for trying to antagonize, and he did it successfully because a lot of y'all were acting out when he did what he did. But his reasoning for antagonizing the Christian community was because he grew up in the church and never really felt accepted. Little Nas, this is why. Okay, first of all, um, I grew up in the church and I also did not feel accepted, but I didn't become bitter. And I also didn't blame other people. I was like, maybe it was me. Maybe I was acting like a victim. And maybe I wasn't trying hard enough to make friends. Well, a good way to raise a couple eyebrows and maybe be looked at funny is rolling around in body paint and glitter. Yeah. That could make you feel not accepted. Or like just kind of... I feel like sometimes when people are wounded, they're like, they'll go really hard in the other direction. Like, I don't care. Like, oh, you're not going to accept me. I'm going to do something ridiculous. So it's like, I'm rejecting you before you're rejecting me. Right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I love that. That's, that's it. Well, little Nas go home. Who else swung and missed at the Met Gala? Do, 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 do. 
Pete Davidson. <sighs> is he ever aware of where he is? <laughs> he looks it's like so asking if he's ever sober. He's so unaware. He like literally looks like he just found out he was at the Met Gala. Ugh, not this guy. Pedro Pascal's a scam. Um, you know when you get a text message that's kind of like shady or an email that you're like, mm. Pedro is that for me? I'm very suspicious of him. TikTok recently has been really trying to shove him down our throats, making a whole bunch of templates with Pedro in it. Um, not sure what they're trying to sell here, but I'm not buying. Anyway, his outfit sucks. The outfit's weird. It like he just looks like someone's dad. It's like this feels like someone's playing a joke on us. Like someone was like, let's make everybody love my dad. And like, let's really just pump him up, like put him in a movie, put that movie everywhere, and then get him invited to like the most revered party um of the day and put him in a ridiculous outfit like it just seems like a big scam oh oh <laughs> this this girl i it's so funny because i see her all the time i like she's done cover girl campaigns and i still don't know what she even does even though i know she's a singer but i've never heard any of her songs nothing i don't get her like, just can anyone name a Janelle Monet song or anything she's done? She's just very pretty. She's very pretty, like her face, which is all you can see in this outfit. Um, I don't know if you heard this, but she was asked in um, she was in some movie that I'm sure no one saw. It might have actually been Glass Onion, and someone was like interviewer her and said how do you do it all like how do you do the music the movies the, all the things you do and she was like i have a clone i have a clone who does my music i have a clone who goes home and is with my family i have a clone that does my acting so i don't know which janelle monet this is but it could be one of her clones could be um mm -hmm. they need to control alt and delete all these clones janelle monet Go home. All right. I um I do have a couple other ladies. Ladies. Well, let's do somebody. Uh here's a fun one. The um if you ever wanted to if there was ever an agenda, it was spread through her. Oh God. She was the obvious agenda she was the in your face agenda of the night everyone else wanted to be subtle they were like make the new kid do it oh she did it and she was like yeah she i'll do it. it i'm game she so you know these past two years past three years have been the um subtle not so subtle anymore it's gotten really loud but they've subtly been trying to make transgenderism cool and now they're trying to make furries cool. And why don't we just start with this clown? And so here she is. Did you see her interview where she was just meowing instead of like answering the questions? Like, oh, she, wonderful. Like, what is she wearing? She was like, meow. Wonderful. We already have kids dressing up and going to school 
thinking that they are animals. I'm not letting my kids meet anyone until they're 30. Like full on. Like, and their parents are like, if my daughter thinks she's a cat, then let her be a cat. And sending their kids off with kitty litter. Like, this is no, this is not like, this is not a test. This is not a simulation. Like, this is actually happening. Where parents are advocating for their children to run with their fabricated reality of being an animal. I really want to know what drives millennial parents, because this is by and large millennial parents, right? better not be. If it's millennial parents, I swear to God. um, We know better. I want to know what makes parents, this could be some Gen Xers too, actually. This could be a combination of Xers and and millennials. I want to know what drives, like what trauma did they experience as a child? What minimal trauma did they experience that they were like, I have to let my kid indulge every imagination because my mother never let me indulge my imagination That's or whatever the trauma. it was. Whatever, whatever like minuscule thing that they feel so, oh God, I'm getting emotional. <laughs> What what tiny little thing did they blow up to the size of a mountain in their childhood that they're like, I absolutely have to let my kid indulge every fantasy they've ever had, and that's going to fix them? Like thinking that uh, allowing a kid to take every interest to a detrimental max is going to keep them from being traumatized. I'm so sorry, but if you're human and you're having a human experience, the world will come to traumatize you. The enemy (laughs) wants to traumatize you because if you are traumatized, that is a perfect landing space for some really deeply held lies and lies will stand in the way of you believing truth. And he really doesn't want you to believe the truth that Jesus is the son of God. So... And all that that comes along with it. So if he gets in there with lies, then it's going to be a lot harder for truth to find a space to land. So I'm so sorry, but every little thing will try to come for you and your kid to traumatize you. And the solution is not to indulge your fantasies. Like you can't sustain that life. At what point do you draw the line? But um, to fantasize, to allow your child to fantasize. I mean, and I get it. Like, I have nieces and nephews and I get when we play house or, you know, sometimes kids like when they're home, when they're home, you know, they want to be the dog and they're like, break, 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 and then they meow or they're um, a dinosaur. And that's cool because they're living in their imagination when they're at home. They're playing make believe. Make believe stops when you leave the house because outside those doors is reality. And so this, whatever is happening here with this clown, she is trying to make, um, like, let's make fantasizing beautiful. Let's make not living in reality beautiful. Let's make the romanticizing of being an animal, even though you're fully human, um, beautiful. And so this is their version of that. Let's make the furry life the furry life beautiful i mean people are letting their kids go to school with like animal ears and tails like fully happening and so 
now let's just allow them to look like that um at shows at premieres and red carpets and let's doll it all up and make it hollywood and so then they have you know of course one is not enough because when you're trying to virtue signal once is not enough you have to have I have to say this for anybody who's ever watched my so-called life. And I watch this far after it's time. Um, and everybody should watch the show because it is very well written. I love this show. I even love Jordan Catalano, but I hate that Jordan Catalano is Jared Leto. <laughs> I hate it so much. <sighs> they got him early. Early. And he, and he might have, I think we discussed this. We think he's legacy, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, for sure. <sighs> let's just, in, in case, like, you know, let's just show another angle in case you think we're making this up. Um, Why does any of it make sense? For those um, who may be wondering, oh, here we go. For those who may be wondering why the cats, um, this theme for the year was Carl Lagerfeld, and he was rather obsessed with his cat Choupette, which is what Jared is dressed as. Seems innocent enough. Oh, Carl loved his cat Choupette. Um, I think we all know by this point that there is no such thing as them just innocently doing anything. But either way, <laughs> this... I, and when he, when you pull up his second look, do you have his second look? Because uh, this is not the whole look. This is the first part of the look. The first part of the look is the furry. That's I the I I don't have the. Uh, ooh, my camera. Okay, I don't have the uh, other look. I saw it when you sent it to me. I mean, when you showed me, but I couldn't find it. Me like in order to show i'll try to find it real quick on my phone to show the audience at home i do also want to um update you on pete davidson he was wearing fendi so i don't know i don't know if you have comment on that but carl explains though i'm sorry what Uh, explains pete davidson wearing fendi explains the bare minimum the like he looks like he was trying to bare minimum and fendi explains why As I'm trying to get my camera to refocus. I'm sure on YouTube people are going to be like, what the heck are you doing? Are you that narcissistic? And the answer is no. No, but my camera gets out of focus sometimes. My webcam. Because, you know, we're streaming on a budget. All right. So um, as you look for that, I'm going to remove this awful picture. Um, I did want to show. I did want to show P. Diddy. Because I feel like this was so fitting. Excellent. I just okay. want to show before we um, just one final note on Jared. Yes. This is Jared. Ooh, let me blow you in up. His, in his evil cape with oh. the Choupette head, and Jimmy Fallon is kissing Choupette. Of course, Jimmy Fallon is. Head. Yeah, of course he is. Of course. <sighs> and. Um, <laughs> Actually, let me get one more angle on that. Oh, yeah. There's, there's the 
there's the Knight oh, of wow. Darkness vibe he's doing in his second look. So there you have it. Ugh. Friends, friends oh and family, gosh. viewers discretion is advised. This um, literally takes the cake for the darkest thing. Be prepared. Um, if they ever had to do a live action human version of the Lion King, ladies and gentlemen, Scar. <laughs> they did do a, well, non-human live. That was so weird. It was like. It was gross. They used humans, but then they put sensors on them. It was sort of human. I don't it was know. gross. It was gross. Um, I believe he's not dressing up. I think this is who he really is. Oh yeah, and um, he wears this on a regular, especially at their elite um gatherings. I'm mm -hmm. air quoting um, because I'm using the PG version of what I believe they do, and it's a gathering. Um, he is really that. I believe he is um the Prince of Darkness, very evil man. Uh, Sean, Sean Combs. If that's even his real name. I don't think so. <laughs> I really. Is this even a time to bring up Biggie? Oh, if we did, it'll be it'll be like another two hours. I just, we know what he did. We and then and blaming Suge Knight is such an easy person to blame. We know what he did and we believe that was the start of it all. Oh, of yeah. the sacrificing and yeah it's mm -hmm. we know what he did mm -hmm. we'll leave it at that but ladies and gentlemen again another person who i don't think he was dressing up this is him in the regs this is him regularly and um i have no idea i mean the cape everything it's it's awful it's literally like when you he Whenever people describe encountering Satan and they're like, he was so beautiful, but it was so evil. Like everything was so well done, but it was just so dark and so sinister. This outfit is that. It's like, it's so well done, but it's so disgusting. It's like they've used every resource in the kingdom of darkness to make this. And this was every, like, this was all their hard work, work put together. And it's just truly sinister truly sinister Ugh. if Cruella DeVille was a man okay so the next ooh, the next uh, do I the next and the final okay the final so that we can move on from the so people who don't care um, unfortunately this is not the part to uh, if you're fast forwarding just keep going <laughs> because uh, we are not done yet we have one more. And she is. <sighs> Why is she even here? Okay, so Kylie looks like the person who gets an invitation to a party and knows the theme and ignores it. Yeah, 100%. This is really off-brand. Carl was, especially as creative director of Chanel, was all about the black and white. Even when he designed for Fendi or for his own line, he wasn't a color guy. Callie's the person who wears red to someone's wedding. 
she would. This is uh, that shoe and looks then so say, and then says oops, <laughs> as if she didn't intend to do that the entire time. Yeah, yeah, says oops. She oh. literally was just like, "I want to look hot," and didn't care about anything else. It's like it's it's a very selfish. And I'm surprised that she's able to get away with being this selfish when she's lucky she's even invited. Lucky she's even invited. Yeah, I can't even show. Anna didn't want them there. No. Anna never wants them there. No. No, Anna never wants them there. Yeah, no. She was, uh, we're not a fan. Kylie, we're not a fan. And next time, read the invitation. Just, Read the room. It's like, I'm not mad. I'm disappointed. I'm just disappointed. We were going to do the, the derby, but I feel like we should move on. Yeah, let's save it for our next episode. Oh, yeah, that can be the highlight. That's like good news is the derby. The derby. I mean, if you guys have time and you want to check it out ahead of time, the derby, people really showed up and showed out. It was beautiful. I love the people who came, who went. Um, I love the outfits they threw together. Big fan. It was a good time. We but, should have known better than to think we could discuss both in one episode. <laughs> I know. I know. But, and it would have been great because the Derby was so full of color. And this was yeah. so like black, white, and darkness. And then this is all like, we're just out here for a good time. Mm-hmm. Um, but the Derby was, it was so nice. But yes, we're trying to be, we're trying to be aware of our time. We're doing a little manner. But on to the next segment. All right, uh, really quick, did you hear? Um, so the Met Gala was kind of part of did you hear? Met Gala was kind of wild for me. Um, I did not understand. Like, I understand what the theme was, but I, I was like, wow, that's so anti-Hollywood right now. Like, who, what Carl represented was anti-Hollywood because although he was a homosexual male in the fashion industry, very stereotypical, he did not agree with a lot of things that Hollywood stood for. So it felt really weird for them to model make make the whole theme of the 2023 Met Gala about him but to each their own well I don't I don't know uh what their motive was but I will say uh that Carl was a creative genius and um, I think even if he pissed people off the end of the day they actually couldn't afford to lose his creativity (laughs) They didn't have anybody who was good enough to replace him. And I think we've seen this over and over with creative directors who have stepped down or have been ousted because they were disagreeable. And unfortunately, creatively, the line suffered and, of course, financially as well. Oof. That's terrible. Um, Well, I I have kind of a quick did you hear. Uh, Do you want to go first, Jamie? Do you have a did you hear for me? Do I ever believe this? Did you tell? Did you hear that Lou Angle is fasting? (gasps) Wait. Lou Angle, who you may know, 
uh, is just always, always striving in prayer. Yes. Um, he has decided to kick it up a notch. Okay. In a very uncharacteristic move by fasting for Israel. You don't say. Uh... Yeah, he was like, I just, I can't be just praying. I have to also starve. You know, out of all people that would be fasting right now, I I did not suspect the angle. I know. This is a shock to all of us in the Christian community. My gosh. So he actually started fasting yesterday on May 7th. And he's going to be fasting through the end of the month. Uh, He's finishing up his 21 days of prayer and fasting on the 28th. And I'm assuming he got his 21-day mark uh, from the book of Daniel. Uh, just, you know, every... I mean, he's doing that with a crew, right? Like I heard uh, Mike oh, yeah. and them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, this is... I know you didn't expect him to be doing this, but he did actually yeah. partner with Mike Bickle of the International House of Prayer in Kansas City. Wow. And they are are doing this together. This is something that the community that follows him, the community that follows Mike, they're going to be fasting and there's going to be a global day of prayer for Jerusalem and the nations. Uh, And there's going to be a 24 hour global broadcast from many different locations around the world, um, including some directly from Jerusalem. Dope. Because if, if anybody needs our prayers and, um, and our fast, it's Israel. We do love Israel. We do love Israel, but wow, this is, this is going to be powerful because Lou Engel fasting. Wow. Breaking news. Just who knew? Who knew? Who could have predicted? Man, I feel like it was just yesterday he broke a fast. It was actually. Oh, okay. okay. (laughs) A little baby's growing up. Well, you guys, you heard it here first. Lou Angle. Is fa- I mean, you guys probably... I get Lou Angle's emails, man. I need to know. I mean, yeah. the perpetual rocker mm-hmm. meets the perpetual faster. Mm-hmm. And it just it collides, and it's it's Lou Angle. That's Lou. It's Louie. Um, yeah, we love that. Um, I do know some people from the IHOP community, so I know they're going hard. And um, Israel always could use our prayers. We pray up for Israel. I am, um, I am Israeli by inheritance. Mm-hmm. Um, I was grafted in, and so um, I pray up. I pray it up for Israel. Also, my birthday was the day Israel became a nation. No big deal. <laughs> and so, I'm the Haitian Jew. And I, I don't know if you guys heard this. Some of y'all may not know this about me, but I have been called Israeli hot. Israeli hot. And not like in a jokey, oh, she's really hot, is really hot. No. This person asked if I was Jewish because he wanted to know because he thought I was Israeli hot. I don't know if I'm Jewish. I'm too afraid to get one of those DNA tests because I don't know what they're going to do with it. They're going to make clones. Yeah. And then it'll be like, what? I'll just be one of the many Israeli hots. No. Ooh, no. You want to be the Israeli hot. 
Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, you're smart. You're smart. You're smart. Mm-hmm. You're smart. You gotta um, conserve your attractiveness, everyone. Keep your DNA swaps to yourself. Keep it to yourself. Um. So my my uh, did you hear? Mm-hmm. Did you hear? Did you hear? Did you hear? Um. Yeah, it's just like you know, casual updates. NYC is still rioting. They are still protesting. Um. They are still mourning the death of a homeless man who threatened the life of everybody, everyone who was riding the subway with him. The one with 44 arrests? The one with 44 arrests. R.I.P. And a possible kidnapping. Oh, yeah, that. Yeah, so NYC is uh, still, I mean, people are still going live being like, yo, this was happening in the city right now. So this is a. Uh, this is not fabricated news, y'all. If you wanted that, go to CNN. But what I'm telling you here is that, um, yeah, the rioting is still happening in the seats, in the streets. They're protesting. They're upset because a man lost his life. Because a man who is threatening the lives of others lost his life. Mostly because he was threatening the lives of others. And so someone had to put a stop to him. Who was a Marine? who happened to be of Caucasian um, influence and the homeless man was a POC and what is a people of color, which means, which is the political correct term of calling him black. And um, so it was white on black crime. Of course, we only address the white on black crime, never the black on black or the black on white. Here, we only address the white on black crime, even if said black person was threatening the lives of several people on the subway. NYC still wants to block the bridges. The social justice warriors are unleashed and they're ready and they're coming for you. Led by their heroine, AOC. Oh God. The way she just pawned that off on the mayor, she was like, you need to do something. AOC has never been to Subway and it shows. <laughs> I just, I'm so tired of her doing absolutely nothing but yelling about things. She's good at that. She's um, been taking notes from Nancy Pelosi. Anyway, so our next, did you hear? Jamie. Yeah. Did you hear? Tell me. These students have had enough with sharing bathrooms with genders that do not belong in their bathrooms. Um, so a simple equation for y'all, in case you didn't know. See, we don't know. We, we put our podcasts on public platforms. We don't choose our audience. Our audience chooses us, okay? So in case you need it broken down for you. Female bathrooms are for women and girls. Those who have a certain sexual reproductive organ Mm -hmm. by birth. Male bathrooms are for men and boys who have certain sexual reproduction reproductive organs by birth the reason why we don't cross each other is because dangerous things can happen to either gender but specifically 
females who have to share bathrooms with males. We have to be careful. And so a lot of things happen in the locker room. Um, I think, I, yeah, I, had, I mean, I played, high, I played um, softball in high school and college. You know, some girls are a little bit more comfortable than others and they get undressed and all that stuff in front of us. And I'm like, I'm a girl. And I'm like, whoa, like cover yourself up. But, you know, they have the freedom to do that because the only people who should be in their locker room are other females. Same thing with boys. So um, I'll start with the seventh grader, Liam, who's from, here's your shout out, Jamie, Massachusetts, who wore a T-shirt that said, there are only two genders. I love this kid. <laughs> I want to meet his parents, shake their hands. <laughs> he was asked to remove said shirt. He did not. Um, but because his, he was told that his shirt was making others feel unsafe. I am so so confused as to how they would feel unsafe. His shirt said there are only two genders. And so um, Liam has had enough and he stood b- before a public forum reading um, his notes, his speech as to why he won't remove the shirt, why he feels like it was okay to wear the shirt and um, basically having to address adults. This seventh grader having to tell adults that there are only two genders. Someone pays attention in biology class. The second student, these students, I'm telling you, Jamie, they've had enough, okay? They thought that the Gen Zs and the Gen Alphas were all like, yeah, trans rights are people's rights. No, no, no. They've had enough, okay? Megan Simpkin, not Simpson, but Simpkin, 18-year-old high schooler from California has had enough of the uh, gender confusion that they are trying to infiltrate the schools with. And this is what she had to say. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and only ladies and gentlemen it is and shall always be. I am an 18-year-old high school student and wanted to take this time to bring to your attention the current issue with biological men claiming they are women and in turn truly believing that they are entitled to use women's spaces. There was an incident within our district that occurred recently regarding a transgender woman who really is a biological man having an altercation with a young woman at MLK High School. It was infuriating when I had seen the video on social media, but what was detrimental to this is the fact that this man is and has been using the women's restroom and locker room. Firstly, the question we must address is why are we affirming the mental confusion of this boy and putting the safety of women in jeopardy by allowing mentally confused men to use the women's spaces? Of course, any male who claims he is a woman will accept it. But what about the women? What about the true girls like myself who are female down to our DNA? Why don't we ever get a say in whether or not we are comfortable with this? The truth is we aren't. The majority of us aren't, and yet nothing has been done to protect the safety of these women. I will conclude with this. It all starts with you. You are in charge of the safety of us women and, our, and the parent and the kids of our parents. So please do something about it. Thank you. The way those two men were behind her, they're like, yeah, yeah. That. I love how she said, thank you. 
talk she prepared. She was making sure she was going to get in that time frame. You could tell she had practiced. Oh. She was like, I'm oh, she practiced in the mirror. Oh, it was amazing. It was amazing. Oh, dude, I was so she here ate. for it. She Little baby. Ate. Little baby Zendaya. Look oh at my her. God, she is a total baby Zendaya. <laughs> she was like, thank you. I loved it. Um, the video was courtesy of New York Post in case I have to give credit. I don't know what the rules are here on YouTube, but in case I have to give credit so that you guys don't take my video down. <laughs> um, so yeah, the students have a, you can hear the aggravation in her in her voice. Like she is she's angry, she's done, she's pissed off, she's sad, she's scared. She is woman, hear her roar. Mm-hmm. And I love that those men showed up to defend her and the whole situation. It's just wild to me because it's so obvious that this idea did not start with Gen Z. They are manipulating Gen Z and using them. And it's disgusting. And I'm so glad there are some people who are aware of it. Like, this isn't even you. This is literally just people trying to take advantage of you and use you to destroy your parents' generation. Your parents' generation. Generations before them. The next generation. Correct. I think that... um, I think that with Gen Z, you know, it all starts with weaponizing your emotions as we talked about before and in the, in the idea of provoking their compassion and, you know, using the phrase trans rights or people's rights and or human rights or whatever. It started off as like a prank, I feel like. I feel like transgenderism started off as kind of like a little prank, like this whole LB, um, LGBT I'm not even going to think about all the letters right now because you guys are adding stuff and that's not fair. So um, I, I think it started off as like, oh, yeah, like that makes sense. Compassion, like they should have their own rights. Sure. Yeah. OK. And then, you know, sometimes like when you plan a prank with a friend and then you're just like, oh, like if we did that prank, do you know how mad she'll be? And then you find out the next day that you actually are doing the prank. And then you're like, wait, hold on, time out. I I don't want in on this. This is too much. You should be so pissed. I think that's what happened with transgenderism. I think that's what happened with gender dysphoria. I think in the beginning they were like, oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, it was kind of like a thought. And then now that's actually been put into practice, people are like, Time out. I don't want to share a bathroom with a man. Mm-mm. Like, so now that's, and that's why, that's why the Gen Z, Gen Alpha, these kids are getting upset because before it was just a thought, before it was just an idea. But now they're like, oh, oh, you think, you think we should have equal rights too? Okay. I'm going to use your bathroom. Like, all of a sudden now you have a misogynistic male who's pretending to be a female force his way into your bathrooms, into your locker rooms, into your spas, into your space, into your sports. And now the females are like, wait a minute, we weren't okay with this. And um, so I love this. I love seeing these, the like, I love seeing her be fired up. That girl's 18 years old and in California. And you know what I also heard had been happening is that girls have straight up started fighting. Like they have been fighting and re- and, and physically removing these trans females trans women 
um, from their spaces, at least in schools. And so um, enough is enough. And so that's all I was going to say about that. But the gender dysphoria, uh, this gender, this gender simulation has is coming to an end. And um, what's really confusing about being gender affirming is that the definition of affirming is to state as fact or assert strongly and publicly. But the beginning of the definition of affirming is to state as fact. And so I feel like they've been getting the word gender affirming backwards because to affirm someone's gender, like if, um, if my niece, my little niecey Ziza came to me and said that she was a boy, I would be like, Ziza, you're not a boy, you're a girl because I'm affirming her gender. When you affirm someone's gender that they are trying to make believe, that's not affirming their gender. You're, uh, you're affirming their false reality. You're affirming their fantasy. You're not affirming their gender. And so I thought this whole time <laughs> that gender affirming was like telling straight people that they were straight. Like, yes, Jamie, you are a girl. That I am affirming your gender. I'm acknowledging that you are a woman. That, that is exactly what that should be. Is now a good time for story time? Oh, it's story time, baby. All right. Now, here's an example of how the enemy tried to come in my own life and confuse me as a child. Um, I was around the age of five, and I went to a school, like a pre-K school program, and there was a girl there. Let's call her Alexandra. Names have not been changed because we are not protecting the inept. (laughs) Alexandra was later um, a character in my life watching girls pee in my second grade class bathroom. So this is the type of person that says this stuff. The type of person that says what, what I'm about to tell you what Alexandra said is the type of person who likes to watch girls pee. So let's just start there. Alexandra said to me, you're a boy. And I was like, what? I'm a girl. And she was like, no, you're a boy. Um, and she referenced my haircut. My hair was like, I, I, I had a, maybe a little bit of a an Anna Wintour thing going on. I had like straight hair, yeah. bangs kind Blunt. of vibe. It, it, it maybe gives court jester. Um But that is not my fault. I did not choose those bangs. (laughs) That was my mom's decision. I don't know why. We'll get mad at her later. Um, (laughs) But in this situation, my mom is the hero. So (laughs) Alexandra said, you're a boy. And I'm like, what? No, I'm a girl. So I go home. And that night, I ask my mom while she's like sitting and eating dinner and you know, just chilling. And I'm like, mom, am I a boy? And she goes, check between your legs. <laughs> and then she just busts out laughing. And then I walk away like, oh, okay. And from that moment on, I was never confused because I listened to my mom. Children 
believe their parents. Like above all other voices, children believe right. their parents. Um, so we need to protect parents because when parents believe lies, then children will end up believing said lies. But from that moment on, I realized one, obviously I'm a girl. Two, the evidence of that was between my legs. Amen. And I'll tell you something. I never let Alexander watch me pee. I peed my own pants because Before. I would not pee in the bathroom because I could not find a time when she was not there ready to watch girls pee. Oh, she was my, obsessed. If I ever find out this girl's last name, I will I will broadcast it. I do not care. <laughs> I'm actually that mad. <laughs> but, oh, mm, I don't think the Lord's going to let me. I wanted to drag the second grade teacher that allowed this to happen. Ooh. But let me tell you, be careful with kids in the bathroom. You see? Even be careful with kids in the bathroom. Be careful. I have public school trauma from bathrooms. You see? And as you saw, this girl was upset because she wants to be able to use the bathroom. She wants privacy. to watch. She wants to watch everybody pee. I remember her talking about boys stuff and I was like, you want to watch you wanted to watch that too. Okay. But she wasn't Oh, allowed. so her fascination was with the urination. I do not know whether it was urination or genitalia, to be honest. Got it. Reading you loud and clear. But we, I think we can both agree that if I had said that as a child to any parent nowadays, they would have been like, oh, why do you think you're a boy? And I might not have said, oh, because this girl said so. I might have said, oh, well, my hair, because that was something she pointed out. Or, oh, well, something else she pointed out and not actually referenced that this was just something that was spoken to me. And a parent would literally spend thousands of dollars on therapists and doctors to try to figure this whole out when my mom solved it so easily by going, that's ridiculous. You have a vagina. Right. If we all just laughed this off and said, you have a dick, we'd all be a lot better. We'd be a lot better. But here we are in unsafe bathrooms and they were already unsafe because Alexander was there. But now Watch even more please. dangerous. Peligroso. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And um, for me, I will give props to my immigrant mother and um, who refused to let me look to one, look like a fool, but she refused to let me leave the house. Not looking like a girl. If I didn't wear earrings, I need to be slapping earrings on when I went to church. I was wearing dresses and um, she would tell me that I look like a boy if I wasn't dressing right in her very thick, <laughs> very petty Haitian accent. And um, because I very much was a girl and I was reminded daily, um, I never had to question. And I was fully a tomboy growing up but I knew I was a tomboy and not a girl who was confused because my gender affirmation came from my off-the-boat mother who refused to believe that there was anything wrong with her daughter because um, she obviously wanted me to get married and so um, and we're grateful because I'm very much a girl and I very much love men and I love my man and um, I think that um, because she was drilling that home 
to me when I had instances, because let's be real, we all had our episodes when we were younger. Now, never once when I was a tomboy being like full on tomboy and stuff like that, I never once questioned my gender. But when I was like nine, I had an issue where I kept staring at women's chests. And I was like, why am I so fascinated with women's boobs? Why am I, what is going on? And I couldn't stop looking because I was nine. And I was like, am I going to have those? Like, I don't know what's going on. And because I was looking at women's boobs, I was like, maybe I'm gay. But then, I mean, I, I had crushes since I was like coming out the womb. I was always in love with some guy. And so very easily that was disputed. And my gender was affirmed by who I was attracted to. And um, and so I'm grateful for parents who who live the Proverbs 22, six lifestyle of training up a child in the way they should go. Because when he I'm going to include a she when he or she grows old, they won't depart from it. Some households look very traditional. My household looked a little different <laughs> because we came of a different culture. But let me tell you, she trained up a child in the way that she did go. She did not spoil the child. She did not spare the rod. Let me tell you that. She trained up a child in the way she should go. And so um, that's the encouragement that we have for you parents and you millennials and Gen Zs to be um, mindful of where your parents are leading you to. Some people may not have the greatest upbringing. I'm not going to say that mine was like a cookie cutter upbringing. Um, but I will say that there were some things I was trained up and in the way that I should go, not the way I want to go, but the way that I should go. Mm -hmm. And because of that, I'm grateful for having been affirmed in my gender of who I am what I'm attracted to and I'm telling you right now I it was I wasn't the only one my mother was not the only person who would affirm me let me tell you that because we we came from a very big family and culturally we also did not play that and so I'll just say that and so um it was very um we had very safe boundaries growing up um but it was because of that, again, Proverbs 22, 6. I mean, the reason why you are a parent is because God entrusted you with a child. And so children are a gift. All good things come from above, it says in James. And so um, the responsibility, you're like, okay, now do I have it? Well, now that I have a child, what do I do with it? Well, you train up a child in a way that they should go. And how do I know which way they should go? Well, the Bible is great with schematics. It's a great blueprint. It's a great roadmap. And so uh, training up a child in the way they should go, um, he's giving you an open-ended test. He's giving you the cheat sheet. And in that are the guidelines for how to raise up a child who loves the Lord and um, doesn't watch people pee. Anyway, <laughs> so... <laughs> uh... <laughs> We got to stop watching people pee, man. I don't understand the fascination, but it was truly traumatizing to be uh, the one being watched. <laughs> I, I actually would love to reconnect with all those girls in that second grade class and just re like all of us talk about the trauma from Alexandra 
smashing the door open and watching everyone pee. Yeah. And you probably should start a support group and wonder, like, are you guys okay? Are you? Are you okay? Are we okay? And you know what's wild? now? And I don't know why this never occurred to me. Why was I the only one who told on her? Right. Because even then. experienced this. Why? And and then she didn't believe, the teacher didn't believe me. Because you were the only one. You see, this is why you speak up. You speak up as a kid. This is why you don't send your kids to public school. Gosh. Well, that leads us into our next segment. Is there a secular and sacred divide when it comes to um, us being of this world but not in it? Question comes because um, this topic of Christians in Hollywood keeps resurfacing. And um, when we have amazing opportunities to knock this out of the park, we swing and a miss every time. And mm-hmm. I've heard awful commentaries on what it looks like for Christians to be whatever cliche they come up with is not anchored in something solid. And so when you use something as, well, Jesus said, let's sinners and prostitutes, or you can't condemn a Daniel when he's ministering to Nebuchadnezzar. Like it, that's not rooted in something solid. It sounds great. Sounds really religious. And I'm sure people are really moved because, um, there's some philosophy in that, but it ain't rooted in something solid. I think we all need to remember that Daniel wasn't trying to be part of Babylon. He was trapped there. He <laughs> was exiled. He was brought into Babylon in one of the three exiles. I believe it was actually the third one. In that exile, he was brought into Babylon and they decided what he was going to be. They decided that he was going to be speaking to the king. He did not try to infiltrate Babylon. He did not try to influence Nebuchadnezzar. He was literally not allowed to go back to Israel and just live his Israeli life. No. Um, And that's the backstory for people who are like, what are you referring to? The book of Daniel talks about this amazing prophet who ministered to a Babylonian king. So he wasn't ministering to his nation. But we you look at Daniel (laughs) and then look at these people that that are um, examples that they're using as like stand ins as Daniel's. You know, maybe I don't care so much to name drop this time, but the idea of certain side Christian artists who've been at the Grammys or certain side Christian actors who are now in movies. I'll just I I feel led to read this. So in Daniel one, Daniel one eight. okay, this is after Daniel had been taken in and the king's men had brought him in and they were just like, yo, you're going to be serving the king. And he was living in the palace, it said in Daniel 1.8. It says, but Daniel made up his mind that he would not defile himself with royal delicacies or royal, or royal wine. And therefore, he asked the overseer of the court officials for permission to not defile himself. 
And that for him was his conviction when he was in the palace. He's like, okay, I'm in the palace of a very secular king who does not believe the way that I believe. He does not serve the same God that I serve. And now I'm working for him. Now to be a good steward of what I'm doing, I'm going to be in this world, but not of it. So may I have permission to not eat the food that you sacrifice to your idols? We don't see that same conviction (laughs) in in like the Christian and secular divide, the sacred and the secular. We don't see that conviction. And so months ago when the Grammys happened and a certain music group was at the Grammys and these certain artists who were part of a worship group um, were at the Grammys as well. And Kurt Franklin, because I don't care to name drop him. Um, (laughs) And Kurt Franklin was there. But um, when these worship leaders were there and everybody was like, well, why are the worship leaders there? Why are you there? Why are you at the Grammys? Do you know what they do at the Grammys? To me, it didn't bother me so much that they were at the Grammys. Now, because there's also another worship team that was at the Grammys that whom we love dearly. And I know for a fact that those people would not have been there for the unholy performance. And so um, they just wanted to lump these two groups in the same pocket because both of the groups were there. And one, without any without any doubt, I know what their convictions are. The other group, I'm like, meh, <laughs> we don't even know what they believe. We just know that they write good music. And so um, the argument that a lot of people have was about them being at the Grammys and them saying like, well, like if they're going to be at the Grammys, let them be at the Grammys. I mean, Jesus sat at the tables with sinners and Daniel was ministering to Nebuchadnezzar. They were like, don't crucify Daniel while he's ministering to Nebuchadnezzar. Clearly they weren't. They were there to just collect the bag and leave. And so a lot of reason, a lot of the reason why a lot of people were worked up, or they're just like, you had an opportunity. You had a window to minister. You had a window. Like, I think they said only one member out of the whole group, thank God, during the award ceremony when they received was Brandon Lake. Brandon Lake was like, shout out to God. And so, you know, people like Kurt Franklin the next day got on Instagram live and they were trying to defend their whole stance. And like, you know, of course, um, Kurt Franklin and Kurt Franklin fashion started gaslighting and was like, don't come for us being at the Grammys when the church can't even solve the problems of racism. And I was like, wow, that is okay. All right. Because we're not victims in Christ. Like, let me, let me remind you, let me remind you of that. Not uh, him using misdirection. Like he's Siegfried and Roy. Oh, big time. Big time. He was like, look over there. Yeah. Big time. We're making a play on Kurt Franklin and the said music group, but the idea that people love to use the Daniel example and they love to use the Jesus sat with sinners example. We just wanted to like maybe cover this for like a short time to just break down like why that can't be anchored in something foundational because uh, we're here to give you just a clear distinction of what it looks like. But um, and Jamie, I would love to hear your thoughts. But first and foremost, the idea of Jesus sitting with sinners, basically saying like, oh, well, they're a light. They're here to be light to the world. And, you know, they can't be a light if all they're doing is hanging out with Christians. So they got to they got to hang out with the lost thing with Jesus, though. <laughs> the thing with our savior is that the people that he hung out with, the people that he chilled with, the people that he sat and ate with, their life changed. They weren't the same after encountering Jesus. They were so convicted by the life that he lived that they had they were provoked to transform. And so 
Yes, Jesus sat with sinners, but those sinners got to meet love embodied himself and something in that provoked them and changed. It's not enough for me for um, like if I was going to go downtown in Dallas and just sit in a bar. That's not me evangelizing just by hanging out in a bar. Like, oh, well, I'm the light of the world and here I am. That's not you evangelizing. I'm the light of the world, but I'm throwing back, I'm kicking back a six pack. That's, that's not being the light of the world. That's not me just sitting with, sitting with sinners and evangelizing. That's me hiding. That's me being ashamed of the gospel. That's me being, that's me being insecure that I rather you guys like me for me, because if I tell you, if I tell you what I believe, if I tell you the religion that I practice, if I tell you the faith that I have, you might not accept me. And so it's easier for me to just not say anything, but I'll be here and I'll look like you. I'll smell like you. I'll wear the same brand. I'll sing the same songs, but as I've said before, we don't do any favors to the world by looking like them. Mm-hmm. And so you, it has, to, it has to be unto something when you are the one who's sitting with sinners, when you are the Daniel ministering to Nebuchadnezzar. I know what it looks like to be a Daniel ministering to Nebuchadnezzar. People who minister to Nebuchadnezzar, again, like you said, there's purpose because the Lord's the one who sets you up. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so firstly, like you were saying, about um, going to a place and and being sent by God. First and foremost, whenever you go into any space, it has to be out of obedience. Because if the Lord didn't call you to a space, you might not have the grace for that space. It is incredibly difficult to be an uncompromised person in that industry. And it was difficult for me, even in the small capacity that I was in it. And I really believe that if you are going to go into that space, and that is really what the Lord is asking you to do, you have to have a strong support system. And like you were saying about Jesus spending time with sinners and they were changing. First of all, every person who Jesus chose to to be with was a sinner because everybody on earth was a sinner. And he was the son of God. So he had to had to spend time with sinners, especially at the time where it was before they could actually receive him inside of themselves, a la the crucifixion and resurrection of Christ. Right. So what we do see with Jesus is he is being very obedient to the Father as to who to choose to be his disciples. The 12 were the ones who were the closest to him. And of those 12, there were three that were the closest to him. And those choices that he made, whether it was, I'm going to bring Nathan in as one of my top 12, um, or I'm going to spend an evening with Zacchaeus, but that was as far as their relationship went but I'm going to spend the majority of my time with John. There are choices that are made that are obedience to the father because the father knew where people were at in their hearts and their minds and how they were going to receive his words and change from them and be able to walk out the, his ministry after he was gone. So when you go into any space, whether it be Hollywood or whether it be you're not called into Babylon, mm. uh, 
you have to move in obedience to where you work and to who you do your life with. And I think we can really note the fruit on Jesus's choices of Peter being one of his top besties. If you read first and second Peter, you see the fruit of Peter being with Jesus True. and being with Jesus after he had left and he was spending his time with the Holy Spirit. If you read that, you will see, wow, this was a really good investment of Jesus's time. And my personal favorite, John, if you read the book yes. of John, if you read any of his letters, if you read his apocalyptic literature, you can mm. see the fruit on John's life. And you can also see from the work of church historians, what happened to John after Jesus left beyond scripture. John was so deeply rooted in the conviction that he was loved by Jesus. Yes. That even when he was tortured and boiled in oil, it didn't hurt him. They couldn't kill him. Mm. They couldn't kill him, so they had to exile him to Patmos. Right. The fruit of Jesus's choice of John being his best friend is that he was so assured of that love that he has written some of the most rich books in the Bible, and the fruit on his life was he's untouchable. He was untouchable. He didn't invest that time in Zacchaeus. He invested that, that one evening. He didn't invest that time in any of the people he ministered to the sinners that he was he was the he was eating and spending his time with he invested in John out of obedience to the father and the fruit was infinite right the fruit has lasted i mean it's the word of god it will endure forever yes the fruit of Jesus's friendship with John will endure forever. Yeah. Right. And I personally think we need to treat our relationships the same way. And this is not just about being in Hollywood. Clearly we've gone past that. But when you are moving in choosing the people who will be with you and the where you will go, move in obedience so that what you do will have eternal impact. And there is scripture to back up that there are works that will actually last into the new earth. Yeah. And the ones that were not of the Lord will burn be burned up. up. Yep. So are you doing something in your flesh or just because you want to? It's in your soul. It's in your emotions. Are you entering Hollywood because you just want fame? Or are you called there and you're doing things that you were not called to do because you want to be accepted. You want to feed your emotions and express your emotions and you're not expressing what the Lord has called you to express. You're not going to have eternal impact and your work will be burned up. Should that not matter more to us? Should that not more matter more, especially to people who claim that they are going into the evil Hollywood, the Babylon of today to minister to people, wouldn't that imply that that ministering would be an eternal work, a work that wouldn't be burned up? Wouldn't that imply that the music you release, the videos you make, the art that you create would be eternal and would not be burned up? 
But yet, if you are compromising, you're not only compromising your own values, which is very serious, you're actually compromising the work of the Lord. If he, in fact, did call you there, he had eternal work that he had in mind for you to do. And instead of doing that eternal work, you made scrap wood for a fire. Right. Right. I actually have a really good friend who is quite the missionary in Hollywood. Um, I just thank you, Lord, that in your name, you're going to set her up with bigger and better things because she's just somebody who's just sold out for Jesus. Like the only thing she wants to do is glorify the Lord with um, what she's doing. And she has a lot of favor. She has a lot of favor in Hollywood. Nothing in what she's doing ever points to herself. And she's an amazing person. I've also heard people, I've seen people leave the ministry. They've left ministry, something that they've been like anointed for. Like you were born for this purpose and they've walked away because they're just like, I feel like I want to be an actor. I just want to minister to Hollywood. No, you want to minister to yourself. You want to minister to your own ego. You want to minister to your insecurities because you want to receive fame on a different level. You had a taste of it because maybe you were a part of a really successful worship team, but now you want to reach it on another level. And so it's like been, it's like a trap. And we all had had an opportunity to fall for the trap. And so I just want to dispel this like, this lie that, well, you know, to be with the wretched, to be with um, some of these flops, like you're hanging out with some of these people because you're just like, well, I'm just Jesus sat with sinners. So here I am. Root that in truth. Take a step back and look at it. What did Jesus do? How were the how are the people that Jesus hung out with impacted? How are their lives changed? And are the people you hang you're hanging out with, are their lives changed from being with you? Are the people that you're hanging around with convicted of their righteousness in Christ when they hang around you? Because that's the effect that needs to happen when you're around them. Whether you're at the Grammys, whether you're at you're in Hollywood, whether you're maybe you're running for office and you're a Christian and, you know, somebody is like, oh, that's the way you live. I want to be a Christian, too. No, we should be convicting them of their righteousness in Christ. Like they should want to yearn for something when they're around you, not feel safe to live a sinful lifestyle when they're around you. Oh, if you're a Christian and you do that, then I'm good. That's not honoring Christ. And ultimately, we, we only have the platform. We only have the opportunity because of Christ. And so it, even the idea of Jesus sitting with sinners or you being a Daniel to Nebuchadnezzar, when people use it, use that cliche, not rooted in truth, you're making it more about you than you do about them. I'm allowed to sit with them. I'm allowed to be with them because Jesus sat with sinners and I'm Christian and I'm hanging out with sinners. So I'm okay to be here. Rather, it should be, how can I change their life now that I have their attention? How can I change their life now that I have the floor? Now that I have this opportunity, how can I be changing the life of the people around me? Just like Jesus changed the life of the people he hung out with and Daniel changed the life of so many more people than Nebuchadnezzar, but I get the analogy, but um, how can I change the life of these people? And so just wanted to touch on, and, you know, I'm sure it's not the, the first and the last time that we'll ever talk about Christians in Hollywood and Christians in the music industry. I mean, 
uh, this is an, this is for another episode, but maybe we need to break down what it looks like to be a Christian artist versus a worship leader because there's a big difference. With that, we will transition. Do you want to do a get it together and we can do the uh, good theology, bad theology another day? Yeah, let's uh, let's get it together. So that we can wrap up. I so think we, we did some really good theology on that last no, last one. I think we had some good meat there, and I think we should finish the meat off with a slice of bread. <laughs> what do I have for a get it together? Boop, 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 boop. Do you have a get it together? No. <laughs> oh. Give me a second. Okay. <laughs> But do you have a get it together? I, I like have to. You might inspire me. Um, get it together is our next and final segment for today's episode. We are going to do good theology, bad theology next episode. So be on the lookout for the next episode drop. I'm excited because we'll be talking about the book of Hosea. Get it together. <laughs> Get It Together is our healthy rant session uh, where we call something into alignment as it should be. And this is our rant where we get it to, we call something to get it together, yada, 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 yada. There's our rant. And then we call it to get it together. Now I know what you're thinking. Wasn't this whole episode a rant? And to that, I say, you have seen nothing yet. However, Get It Together is our healthy ranting system um our healthy ranting segment where we call something into alignment into the kingdom as it should be so jamie what is your get it together this weekend for me was entirely consumed with researching and consuming media that shout out to the people on tiktok who one, have enough time to look into this. Two, are great at spotting deep fakes. And three, are able to do things with their computer and slowing footage down that I could mm-hmm. never figure out. So I'm sure many people know that while Brittany was allegedly freed, she is not free. And For those who believe even for a second that she is free right now, you are my first people that need to get it together, but I'll deal with you after. (laughs) It is so clear in all of the videos of Brittany, although uh, there are some that are really Brittany, but the majority of these videos, it's so clear that there is either A, a person with a Brittany face filter on and they are just moving around and dancing and tattoos appearing and reappearing, face shape and eyes changing, just wild stuff that is either evident of a partially AI'd existence or a completely AI'd scene, whether it's um, her dancing or her making a smoothie. It's it's like- Oh, I've seen those. These videos are 100% either not Britney or not even human. And it is just wild that these people are able to get away with this because 
it's pretty obvious once you find out. Mm-hmm. And TikTok does keep taking videos that I've sent you or I've sent other people off of TikTok. But it's so obvious that this is not Britney's doing. Right. And I think really where I began in my suspicion of there's something nefarious going on here is even a few years ago. And just seeing how bad her hair looked. Right. Tell me that a woman who was the pop star of the 2000s. Right. Is going to let her hair look this bad. It wouldn't happen. That's not real. Why would she let her skin look that bad? These people in these positions want to spend money on their hair, on their skin, and they are not letting her. They're not letting her take care of herself. And in the last public relationship she had before this sham of a marriage, right? the pictures of her with the man she was seeing, she looked terrified. If you look her in the eye, she looks like she is scared for her life. Oh, my gosh. I can't believe that the public let this go on this long. Like we, here are the people who need to get it together to conclude all of this. Yes. The people who allowed the media to tell us that Britney was crazy. She obviously wasn't crazy. (laughs) She was trapped. She was scared. She was doing things that she thought would help in her situation. Who knows the threats that were made. So the public falling for the first scam how dare you how dare you two the people who are actually believing that britney is in these videos now the people who are like oh people's feet sometimes look like they don't have toes lies don't make this a bigger thing than it is you are choosing ignorance I don't even want to go into what else I think you believe. Okay? You're the worst of them all because you know exactly what's going on. Like, the first round of people fool me once. Shame on me. (laughs) You're the fool me like a billion times. Shame on you. Right. And thirdly, the people who are being a part of this in any way, shape, or form, whether it's Sam Asghari or Donatella Versace or the people who are even directly in control, I do not care um, in in what capacity? If you could either be, you could be like, I'm not the one suppressing Brittany. I'm not the one controlling her. If you went along with us on any stage, I that is disgusting. Disgusting. Right. You're right. So, the people who who fell for Brittany being crazy and still th- and if you still think she was crazy back then, the people who are in blatant ignorance saying. Make a big deal about nothing, and the people who played any part at all in keeping Britney down get it together. Get it together. Nope, you're absolutely right. Uh, hashtag free Britney for real this time. For real this time, she says, You're right, actually. For real this time, no, oh, that was brilliant. Yeah, I can't wait till they're gonna be caught, these perpetrators. They are. They're going to be caught and they're going to pay seven times what they've stolen. That's right. And so um, Brittany has now been added to your intercessory board. Mm-hmm. I might actually do some Instagram stories and call people to intercede. Maybe I'll call Lou Angle. 
<gasps> I'll call Lou Engel and have him fast and pray with me. Dude, for sure, Brittany would get set free. Yeah, and he for sure would be down. He was a rocking and fasting. Yeah. For sure. For sure. Yeah, we have the solution. I'm 100% convinced. Um, okay, my get it together. Tell I have me. made up my mind because I had several get it togethers listed, but I will do one for the sake of time. My get it together is on Christian meme pages. So good. Yeah, it's time. It's time. I don't know if you guys know what a definition of a meme is. But a meme is an image, a video, or a piece of text that is typically humorous in nature. Please remember that phrase. Okay, it is typically humorous in nature that is copied and it's spread rapidly by the Internet users for comedic relief. Okay, We have gotten to this place where we have cultivated this butthurt community of of sensitive victim addicted consumers of the internet within the body of Christ. How did we get here? With that, they have taken the joy, the fun, the humor out of memes. How did we so easily get offended by a picture? When did we get so soft? Christians, listen, we eat persecution for breakfast. What's a couple of memes? There are very few things that are non-negotiables in memes, but the rest, the world is an oyster for you meme pages. Some of my favorite that are not limited, but some are my favorite. That are my favorite meme pages. Epic meme pa- pages, you're okay. I like you a little. The best Christian meme pages, yeah, you're right. Um, Deuteronomy memes, pretty funny. Edgy Christian memes, pretty funny. Um, Theosu used to have a meme page. I think it's called Sillygrams. Not as funny as it used to be in the beginning. This is what meme pages have now become, which is not the origin of a meme page. If I need to read you the definition of a meme again it is an image a video a piece of text that is typically humorous in nature okay we do not use memes to subtweet we do not use memes to insult and people have subtly used memes as like a i want to diss you but not to your face and so i'll throw it in a meme that's not what a meme is for and then on the flip side We have gotten so sensitive as a community to where we can't even enjoy a meme when it's funny. But it's funny. Just let it be funny. Be offended later. Worry about it in your soul later. But let it be funny now. You're taking the fun out of it. I look at a good meme. I look at the video. I look at the picture. I look look at the piece of text. And I laugh. 
You know where my mistake is? I scroll. And when I scroll, I see everyone trying to defend this or refute that or be offended about this. No longer fun. I get five comments down and I like the laugh just diffuses out of me. The laugh just deflates because no longer funny because some Nancy got upset that they used um, the wrong translation. I don't know. But you, you have lost the purpose of a meme. It's meant for humor. And the funniest thing to me about memes is that when you use a meme to diss another congregation, another denomination, another translation, another music group, it's always funny until it's your favorite one. And then when it's your favorite one, it's no longer funny. The whole point of a meme is so that everyone can laugh. Ha ha. Not so much as the at the expense of others so that um, someone's feelings get hurt. It's supposed to be humorous in nature. Okay. Not spiteful in nature. Not bitter in nature. Humorous in nature. We're all supposed to be able to ha ha. Stop calling out shots through a meme because you're too much of a coward to DM that person. We just want the funny memes. Make memes great again. And so memes, Christian memes, you better get it together. Get it together. I'm so glad you brought that up. It's ridiculous. Because it's been embarrassing out here. I'm just trying to have a good time. The comment section, I don't know why they allow it. Let me cackle at 2 a.m. because I saw a funny video um, because I saw a funny video and they were, uh, you know, making fun of charismatics and fire tunnels. Let me laugh at that because it's funny. (laughs) Look, we're confident enough that we can take a little bit of heat. We laugh at it because, as they say, it's funny because it's true. Mm hmm. So let us let it let it be funny. And with that, Jamie, did you have anything else? Nah, girl. I think we covered it all. <laughs> I hope we covered it all. Somehow, some way, we made it to two hours again. Every time. I guess the Lord just wants it. He just wants it at two hours. He just loves that the two of us. We get an hour each. Two two hours. We get an hour each. Just bringing us together. Prophetic <laughs> with that too. <laughs> Make memes great again. Free Britney. For real this time. For real this time. <laughs> well, guys, uh, we've had a lot of fun today. Hope you enjoyed today's episode of Happy and Holy. As always, like, subscribe, share. And as Jamie will always remind you, hit up the website, happyandholyco.com. You can always email us at happyandholyco at gmail.com. Don't forget to hit up the website, happyandholyco.com. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram, happyandholyco. We're on Facebook, happyandholyco. Are you catching our drift? And so um, YouTube, share the link, subscribe, do all the things. We appreciate you. We love you. Um, And as always, stay happy and be holy.
Bye. That was the wrong. That was the wrong ending. Say bye again. Bye.